All right. Well, as you know, I always like to give you some scripture to chew on throughout the week. It's good. I guess you what is it? Chew the cud. Chew the chew the cud of scripture. My uh, the passage I, I think, especially in light in light of today's message, is for you to read James chapter four verse seven. James chapter four verse seven. That is a passage that I think is great, especially in what's going on in the world, and something to really dwell upon as you just traverse through life, as you deal with your loved ones, as you deal with your neighbors, as you deal with the strangers, as you deal with that person who cuts you off on the freeway. Remember that passage, James chapter 4, verse 7, and see what comes about. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful. I know I'm so grateful that we just come before you and, and to gather around your word, Lord. God, there, there is a lot going on in this world. There's a, a lot of potential worry. There's a lot of potential woes. There's a lot of potential anger. There's just a lot of, just a lot of people angry about everything. And God, help us not to get caught up in that anger. Help us to be a people who dwell upon the cross, who dwell upon what Christ has accomplished, who dwell upon the fact that we have a mighty Savior and a loving Savior. God, today we ask that you just reveal our sins, Lord. Any, any idolatry, any pride, any lust, any, whatever it may be, Lord, any envy, God, reveal it in our hearts so that we can see the cross and not have these sins get in the way. Help us to focus in on you to focus in on your love for us. Lord, and fill us with hope, love, and peace so we can live this faith consistently before you. And Lord, we pray that same prayer for our brothers and sisters around the world. In the church, the, the universal church, all the Christians around the world, Lord, we are in this together. We are not alone. But we are all moving forward in the faith, declaring your name, waving the banner of Jesus wherever we go. Lord, I pray we wave that banner out in the world and, and in the home, at our work, in our cars, or simply at some restaurant. We wave the name of Jesus, that he is the true conqueror and the true hope for this world. We pray this in our son's name today. Or in the Son's name today. Amen. So, Peter, over the course of this letter, 1 Peter, has, has covered a lot of topics and hard subjects in how we are called to live in response to the gospel in this world, especially when we're suffering for it. Peter has been encouraging Christians to stay on the course of trusting in Christ alone and to not get caught up in worldly affairs. He has been really trying to expand our worldview to see the bigger picture of life in light of the gospel message of God's grace over us now. He has ardently uh, expressed over and over again, that the cross of Jesus Christ 
is completely sufficient for us, for any situation, for any emotion, or really for any confrontation or opposition that comes our way. We go back to the cross. The gospel message Peter has been saying is one that fills us with hope in this hopeless world, in this desolate place where death and destruction seem to just run rampant. And why, why is that? Why, why can Peter, why is he pushing that? Why is, why is it hope for us? Well, Peter has said over this course of this book that through faith in Jesus, when you see the cross, it proves that an almighty God of the universe knows your name, knows your troubles, knows your worries, knows your failures, knows your sins, and loves you anyway through faith in His Son. The cross proves that God has not abandoned you to the trials of this life, but rather through faith in Jesus Christ, He is making all those trials that come about your life work in your favor before Him. God is now on your side and is with you through every tear, through every worry, through every heartache, and through every fear. Peter has been saying that that God sees and knows all the injustice that's being done to his people. And rather rather than us getting caught up in fear or anger or worry, we just need to be focusing on God's gracious care over us through Christ alone. That's our call. Focusing on how Jesus has accomplished everything for us by faith in him. Not to take that lightly or think that's just something you move on from. Constantly having uh, this, this understanding that the fulfillment of our lives is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That he lived a sinless life on our behalf. He died in our place as the sacrifice for our sins, paying off the debt of sin that we owe to God that would cast us into hell for eternity. And that he came back to life in his physical body three days later that was perfected, proving that sin and death, the power of it, has been conquered through him over us now. And we have eternal life through faith in Him. For He now is our all in all. So Peter has been saying, keep your focus on that message as hardships come about in your life. As you have all the struggles and stresses of whatever that may be. For that is where you're going to find your encouragement. That's where you're going to find the hope to press on. In this world, no matter what happens or what comes your way. That is how we overcome fear. That is how we overcome worry. That is how we overcome anything that happens in this world. It's the gospel. I mean, how can you not find encouragement and relief to press on in this world when problems arise, when you think of the gospel message, I mean, when you dwell upon it, the, the gospel message is, is so unashamedly, it so unashamedly reveals that the mighty God of the universe 
is not only interested in you despite your failures and your sins, but he has invested his son's life for you to cover those sins so you can be with him forever in eternity under his love and grace. I mean, to dwell on that truth, that gospel truth, should be inspiring and empowering and burden-breaking. I mean, for what else could possibly ever come and be compared to that glorious message that God loves you and cares for you as his child and has provided everything for you to be with him in eternity all through faith alone in Jesus? I mean, when you see that, that cosmic victory of Jesus upon the cross, that what he has accomplished for us, the world's problems just seem to fade away in light of it. I mean, this world just becomes so small in comparison to what was done. I mean, the gospel truly helps us see the bigger picture of life so we don't get caught up in this life, but rather get caught up in all the glorious promises of being with our Savior for eternity. But here's the thing. There is another spiritual being out there in this world who has also taken interest in you has also taken interest in God's people. And unlike God, who's all about freeing and freeing you and and giving you grace, this other being is not interested in about giving you hope, but rather taking that hope from you. This being is all about wanting you to forget the glorious freeing promises that you have in Jesus Christ. And he's doing everything he can to make you forget. So today, we're coming to a topic of great importance for the Christian to be made aware of. We are going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-9 through 9, and look at what Peter's warning to all of us is. This is the first time where he's talking about a warning. So today's title, as you see, is Seeing the Unseen Enemy. So let's look right at the text. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now notice, within Peter is trying to communicate something with us with great importance that should not be taken lightly or looked over as insignificant. Peter is saying, in light of the gospel message in which you now believe, you need to be sober-minded and you need to be watchful. Peter is saying, look, now that you have faith in Christ, you need to start thinking clearly in light of it. Don't have your brain go to mush. Don't go on cruise control. Your worldview... The way you interpret the world around you needs to be filtered through your faith now in Jesus Christ. Peter is saying we can no longer look at this world as just a common place where things happen. But we must see it for what it really is. Through our faith in Christ, 
We are called to be rational in our thought and clear-headed as we filter all the information and circumstances that come our way in our life all through the gospel message which is given us in God's word. Or as 2 Corinthians chapter, five, or chapter 10 verse uh, 5 says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. We are not just to assume that our first assumptions or thoughts are correct in any given situation, especially when we're going through a trial. But we must analyze our thoughts and see what we are doing and how we are reacting to see if it's proceeding from faith in Christ and not faith in ourselves or faith in something else. For Romans chapter 14 verse 23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Peter says, you need to be on, on the high alert. Be watchful in all that you do. You are always to be on this spiritual alert, constantly filtering everything through Scripture, just as Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man does not live by bread alone, man, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, why would Peter be so hardcore in making sure that we are spiritually awake through faith in Jesus Christ to the world around us? Well, here's the thing. Peter is writing to people who are under persecution, right? From the society around them. People around them are persecuting them, causing problems. And when people are causing so much pain in our life, when society is on the attack, it's easy to get caught up with the people who are our tormentors and let our guard down to think that our ultimate battle lies with people. And that's what Peter is trying to warn us against here. For that is the trap that Peter is trying to guide us and them away from. Peter is wanting to expose the bigger picture of life to us in light of this gospel message. He wants us to really see what is going on with the opposition that comes our way and to see who really is our ultimate enemy. And this brings us to our first point. Seeing the, unsee, uh, seeing the unseen enemy is knowing this enemy is not human. He continues in verse 8 and says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He says, look, <laughs> we need to realize that there is an enemy that is greater than any humans we face. That are coming against us. For there is a real, evil, spiritual creature, evil creature, that is out there in the world manipulating it and influencing it to come against Christians. Peter says, you and I always need to be on the lookout to look beyond those who are opposing us face to face and be on the lookout for the spiritual attack that is coming against us by the devil in all that we do, especially when trials come about our life 
Or put differently, what sin is being exploited in our life through the devil's influence upon the world as it comes against us? Be on the lookout for that. For the devil, who is a, a fallen angel and a rebel against, uh, and rebelled against God, and all his demonic army, which are also just fallen angels who followed after him, are on this mission to influence this world to rid itself of the Christians that are upon it. That's, that's, what they, that's their cud that they chew on. Yours is scripture, there is, how can I rid Christians? So Peter is trying to say, we need to take this seriously and be watchful of the devil's tactics and not think he doesn't exist or some mythical creature that doesn't really, that's not really there. Peter is wanting us to take seriously the reality that the devil is always at work through his minions to have this world always be against us. This is why he speaks about this imagery of comparing the devil to a prowling lion who is constantly roaring. This imagery is one that points to the fact that this evil does not sleep. This evil does not rest, but he and his minions are on the constant attack like a lion who hunts his prey. So we always need to be on the lookout for his evil schemes in the world and in our lives. For this devil is on a mission to devour us and to downplay that, this blunt warning from Peter would be very foolish. Because what you have here is Peter giving some very graphic, Im graphic imagery of a lion with its goal to devour, that means eat, its prey. And that's the image that Peter wants you to remember when, and not to forget when you think upon this unseen enemy who is the devil. Now, what exactly does devour mean here? That's a little scary. Well, within this context of 1 Peter, when you look at this book, right, as we've been going through for a long time, the word devour here means to destroy you by bringing you back into the evil, sinful ways of the world in which you left when you placed your faith in Christ. So Peter is saying, be on the lookout for all the different ways that the devil will try to devour you by bringing you back under the power and bondage of sin. The devil, this roaring lion, for you, uh, uh, devours you, for example, when you live in the fear of man rather than God. He devours you by having you live in the guilt and shame that the world points out in you so that you live in defeat and isolation. He devours you through having you become immobilized in this life because of all your worries and fears. He devours you when you live in jealousy and bitterness of those who are prospering more than you. He devours you when you don't graciously forgive those who sin against you. He devours you 
through, you, through having you live in hate towards your fellow man because of their evil ways. He devours you by having you live in the lie and becoming consumed and devoted to worldly ideologies and politics in, in saying that that's the way that you change men's hearts and that's the way that you save the world. He devours you when you make more of other people's sins by becoming enraged over their sins rather than your own sin before God. He devours you when you stop loving the enemies in your life and stop praying for them so that they can come to know the grace of Jesus. He devours us when we start to think that God's love for us and favor for us is dependent upon our performance before Him. As if we can do anything for our salvation. The devil devours us when we think we have a handle on life and think that apart from, think that apart from Christ that we can start doing things on our own. In John 15, 5, it says, without me, you can do nothing. That's what Christ says. He devours us when we forget of our absolute need for Jesus and his grace every day in our life, just like the old hymn says, I need thee every hour. For it's things like these that the devil will attack to consume and devour you in them, exploiting your sin so that you become a non-effective Christian with your life to those around you and to those within the church. All because you're too occupied and distracted with everything else but the gospel. He devours us Ultimately, when the gospel message becomes the farthest thing from our mind and has become very seemingly small and insignificant as part of our life, rather than being the very center of our life. That's how he devours us. And that's his sole mission. That's the sole mission of the devil and his kingdom, to make you forget the glorious gospel and the victory that Christ has won so that you end up focusing on everything else but that and live in defeat. The devil's goal through his influence over this world is to devour you by having you go everywhere else to find your identity, to find your meaning, to find your purpose, to find your worth, and to find your security. To find all of that everywhere else in this world rather than going to Jesus and his accomplishments on your behalf through faith in him alone. That's how he devours you. When the gospel is common and means nothing. Just another philosophy or phrase to say to make other people happy, but it means nothing to you. And this is why he says in verse 9, Resist him, the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And this brings us to our second and last point. Seeing the unseen enemy, that's a tongue twister if you try it. <laughs> 
seeing the unseen enemy is you have to come to know his weakness. So seeing this unseen enemy, know his weakness. Know what it truly is. Now, Peter is not wanting us or (laughs) any Christian, uh, for a matter of fact, to live in fear of the devil and his schemes. He's not wanting us to live in like panic, knowing that there is an intellectual, self-thinking, demonic force walking about and influencing this world. I mean, that's horrifying, but we're not called to live in fear of that. Peter's not, wa- not warning us of this demonic force that's trying to break us so we can hide away and, and stop living life in fear of his spiritual attacks. He's not trying to say, well, stay in, stay in your home and do absolutely nothing and just sit there and do nothing. Rather, he is telling us to do the very opposite of that. Peter insists that we live our life to the fullest in Christ and resist the devil and his ways in the process. We are to oppose the devil's temptations and his ways as we go about our daily life, whether at work or in the store, within our home, or dealing with our children, or dealing with our spouse, or watching TV, or listening to music. Peter is saying that we don't have to give in to the ways of the devil, which is the ways of sin, as we live upon this earth. For we can resist him and not be overtaken or devoured by him. We can. Even though he may be influencing our situations with his power through whatever means, whether that's in person or using other forces... Peter points out that the devil does not have the power to make us respond the way that he wants. To respond in sin. Though he may be powerful like a roaring lion, he is not an all-powerful creature. For there is one who is all-powerful and has defeated him, and his name is Jesus. 1 John 3, 8 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So the way we resist the power of the devil, which is doing its best to influence us and overtake us, never forget that. Peter says we can resist the devil's spiritual attack upon us by being firm in your faith, even while we're suffering, while it's happening. We resist the devil by placing our faith in Christ and trusting in him alone. Peter says we resist the devil and his ways and his influence upon us through this world by simply keeping our faith in Christ alone. We don't do great acts of faith like raising the dead or moving mountains or doing miraculous miracles or do some strange religious act to resist the devil and his powers. No. Peter says we resist the devil simply by keeping faith in Jesus Christ. Our pursuit is to trust in his works and his ways above our own, trusting in him. The more we trust in him, the more we resist the devil and his power in our life. It's as simple as that. The more we place our faith in Christ, finished work on our behalf and look to him by faith to empower us with his grace, 
so we can persevere in this world, that's how we combat the devil's influential power that comes against us and how we encourage others to do the same. So with Peter saying, resist him, firm in your faith, Peter is saying, you don't have to live in defeat in this world with your head down, shaking and trembling, your knees knocking together. You don't have to do that. The little chihuahua. You know, a little nervous one, just yap. We can lift our heads with a smile upon our face because of the victory over the devil and his ways that is ours through having faith in Christ alone, even if we are suffering in that moment. God's kingdom, Peter is saying, is moving forward through us as we have faith in Jesus, even though the devil is trying to defeat us by causing the world to come against us. Peter is saying his plan is not working. So keep trusting in the Lord. We are victorious in this world by keeping our faith in Christ, even though the world thinks we're losing. And will say that you're losing. We overcome the devil and his ways, believing that God truly cares for us and see the cross as the absolute proof of that. That's how we overcome. So Peter is telling these Christians and us that we are on the right path through trusting in Jesus, even though trials and sufferings are coming our way because of it. And he encourages them and us by saying in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. What Peter is saying here is that all the opposition that they are facing for trusting in the Lord is something common to all Christians around the world. That though they may not, these Christians may not be suffering in the same way as other Christians, and though the opposition may not be the same opposition, the exact same, they're still suffering the same kinds of suffering. So these Christians can be confident and firm in their faith, knowing that the opposition and conflict with the world that they are experiencing will always be the way of life, no matter what they do or where they go in the Lord. It's standard. It's expected. Peter is saying that they will never fit in or find comfort in this world because the devil is always trying to destroy Christians through whatever means, wherever he can, whenever he can. So any and all opposition that's thrown at them should only strengthen their faith in Christ because they know they're on a right path that leads to the blissful eternity of heaven and they are not compromising in their ways to give in to sin. It's a blessing. So the same goes for us, you and me. We will never fit in in this world. You will never have a true alliance with anything in this world, only Christ. And fitting into this world should never be our objective. We have peace with God now, but that does not mean we have peace with the world. For we have rejected the prince of evil over this world through faith in Jesus. So we should all be encouraged all the more to live a life of faith in Christ and express that faith to all. So that anyone knows and sees that they too can have peace with God and be free from the devil's power. That's our goal. 
Go out and make disciples. Now here's the thing to remember in all of this as we come to a close. All this power to resist the devil and his ways does not come from us, but is drawn from faith in Christ alone. That's the source. Not you. You're not strong enough. When you think you are strong enough, that's when you run into problems. So you and I need not to worry about how Christ will get us through the trials or through the opposition. Right? Don't worry about that. But rather, we can be confident and steadfast and immovable in our faith in Christ, knowing that he will get us through our trials and problems. This text today gives us the promise that we can boldly be on the lookout against the devil because our faith is anchored in the solid rock of Christ so we can weather the blast of the evil one upon our life. That old song, My Anchor Holds. Now, you might ask, how do I know that Christ will give, us, will give me the strength to resist the devil of his attacks? You might be thinking that. How do I know that I will prevail against the devil's schemes by faith in Jesus? How do I know that I won't fail at this, Jonathan? Well, it's because Christ has you covered in that too through faith in him. You just need to look at the cross. For this is exactly what Christ prayed for in John 17, 15. For you. He's thinking of you. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And my friend, it was through the cross that Christ sealed that when he prayed for you. And it's through his resurrection that he can make sure it happens to you. That's the joy of having a resurrected Savior. So we have nothing to fear. For Christ has done everything for us by faith in him alone. We just need to keep having faith in Jesus. For even though the devil and his minions are great in this world, Jesus and his grace is greater still. And through faith in him, John 4, 4 says, we have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I ask right now that if there's someone that is struggling with their life and, and looking for hope and looking for a way out, looking for hope, Lord. I pray that you reveal yourself to them and say that you have sent Jesus as their Savior and they only need to trust in him. They repent of their ways and just put their faith in him. Oh God, I pray that they will come to know him to know you. God, I pray for all of us here too, Lord, maybe we're, maybe with all of our struggles in this world, with everyone telling us what we need to think and what we need to do and how we need to act. Oh God, I pray that we don't live in fear, we don't live in anger, we don't live in, in, in worry, we don't live in these things, Lord, but we can live in faith in knowing that you are in control of all things and we can have peace in our hearts. And be willing to extend the gospel, our hand, the forgiving hand, to remind everyone that Jesus is the answer. That we are not helpless, but we have all the help we need, and his name is Jesus. God, I pray that all of us 
can understand that the way this world is changed is through the change, changing of men's hearts, and that is by giving them the gospel. I pray we stand on nothing else but faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your son's name.